Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. We are clear that it should be that woman's decision, not the government telling her what to do with her body or her life. And no one has to give up their faith or their belief to agree that the government should not tell somebody else what they should do. It should be a personal decision based on what people value and what they hold dear and what are the most intimate decisions any person can make about their life and their family. So that was Kamala Harris in front of Air Force Two when she had landed in Indianapolis. Part of this roundtable that the Democrats had yesterday, not speaking to the crowds that were amassed, which weren't giant crowds, as as I figured many more. Although I've got video of people in the the state house right now as they engage this conversation about abortion in Indiana. And of course it's getting attention because Indiana is the first state to have a special session to have this discussion. We didn't have the trigger laws in place uh, because of the overturn of Roe v. Wade. So we're now discussing what to do. What is it that is the plan for Indiana? Republicans put forth only abortions for um, rape, incest, and life of the mother. And certainly the life of the mother conversation is going to be a conversation about, well, do you mean her life is endangered or or she feels it's endangered? There's going to be some conversation and, and questions there. And of course, it's progressives and Democrats looking for an opportunity to make it as broad as possible. Democrats in this entire roundtable did not bring a single conversation to bear about here's our plan. Their plan is unfettered access to abortion. As I have described it, recreational abortion. Let them prove me wrong. I'm all ears and I have no problem with being proven wrong. But how is it not exactly the right term for what it is they're pushing forward? Abortion anytime, anywhere, for any reason. Health or no health, horrific circumstance or not, just someone who feels they're being inconvenienced. The radical disregard for life is something to behold. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is so good to be with you guys. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. It is a radical disregard for life. Now, you might believe that abortion should be legal. I am not making that argument. I'm not engaging that. I am okay with you believing that. We might disagree on things. But the question before us is, why is it that the Democratic Party doesn't have a a, a concept, a belief, a theory of, well, okay, here's the framework in which it's okay. Well, they don't believe in any type of restriction on this whatsoever. And it starts with the basics, that they don't believe it is life. They don't. And even if they were to believe that it's life, they don't think that anything should interfere with a woman's right to choose. First, the problem is they think they speak for all women. The Democratic Party believes they speak for all women on the subject of abortion, and it is very obvious that they don't. I think it's pretty insulting to women 
to say that you speak for all women. You don't speak for all women. Tremendous number of of Hoosier women do not, do not favor abortion willy-nilly. They simply don't. So that should get recognized first and foremost that when the political left makes the the, the statement that uh, having abortion restrictions, it, it's taking away women's rights, it's, it's rolling back the clock, none of this is true. Just like it would be radically untrue, false, a lie, to say that abortion doesn't kill something. I have made the argument here that if you don't want to believe uh, life as as conception, that, that's that's totally fine. You 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 do you. If you don't believe that abortion is killing a baby, however you want to look at that, even though I I think you're wrong, the argument I have made is if you want to engage the idea that it's a clump of cells, we can agree that abortion is killing the clump of cells. And this is my litmus test. When they state or when they refuse to accept the fact that abortion is killing a clump of cells, then you know that they are unserious people unwilling to engage the conversation honestly and openly. And that is, of course, what we're getting. But listen to Kamala Harris there. It should be that woman's decision, not the government telling her what to do with her body or her life. Yet we just lived through a government telling you what to do with your body and your life regarding vaccination. You say to me, Tony, that's not the same. If we are discussing the very concept of bodily autonomy, well, of course it's the same, except it's not. And this is where the abortion favorers lose the argument based on something factual, the same factual thing that they refuse to admit. Bodily autonomy is me deciding what is best for me as a solo person, whether I be a man or whether I be a woman, me, the solo me, what is best. I don't want to be forced into taking a vaccination. I think all employers that force vaccinations were wrong and abusive. If you tell me on the job I have to wear a hard hat for some kind of safety regulation, that's okay. The job is over. I take off the hard hat. I can't take off the vaccine. Every employer that forced vaccination was wrong. Abusive. Rude. Not good. Not kind. Not decent. Not in any way, shape, or form. Providing a better life for their employee. Providing a worse one. A far worse one, an abusive one at that, creating the abusive relationship. But if we're going to engage, government should not be able to tell you what to do with your body. That would mean governments cannot force a vaccine. When we talk about abortion, you are not talking about an individual life. I think this is just a clear conversation. I think this is the rational, logical conversation. You're not. You are discussing another life. Whether you call it a baby or a clump of cells, look, however you sleep at night, kitten, you do your thing. 
But you must admit that it is there. And therefore, we are dealing with another layer. And that layer requires conversation. It's in the same way that I do not engage. I do not respect. I do not listen to this idea of oh, this is between a woman or a doctor and a man has no say. Stop talking with your face and your mouth and your whatnot. Of course I have a say. I'm alive and the gray matter is churning, baby. Of course I have an idea and a thought. I might have an opinion. I might have a point of view. Nothing wrong with me having a point of view. How dare anybody say to me, because of my genitalia, I'm not allowed a position, you nut. That's crazy talk. That is radical in its thought process. I am a human being, and I have an idea about how we should do these things. I cannot change reality that only women get pregnant. One of the things I love about this conversation, it's just, it's so nice to hear people recognize that there's a difference between men and women and women get pregnant. Just a few months ago, we weren't able to define what a woman is. Now, all of a sudden, we know that women have a say and men don't. Well, at least we know what women are. At least, at least we got that part covered, kids. Whoo! Thank goodness gracious. That was, a, that was a weird couple of months in, in, in American culture where we didn't know what a woman was, and now we clearly got it understood because Kamala Harris told us as clear as day. We are clear that it should be that woman's decision, not the government telling her what to do with her body or her life. It should be that woman's decision. That's exactly what she said. It should be that woman's decision, not the government telling her what to do with her body or her life. So we are clear now that there are women and we can define women. Women are the one are the ones who have babies. Men don't have babies. No man can ever have a baby. I don't care what kind of uh, what you, you want to say trans this or what, whatever you want to put to it. The people who do that stuff are involved in make-believe nonsense garbage, lying to themselves, lying to others. They should be cast to the side. Next. Not because I say so, even though I do say so, but because the vice president of the United States said so. So what should Indiana do here? Well, I believe that Indiana has absolutely the right to say we have restrictions on these things. What should those restrictions be? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a very, very, very good question. I was surprised to see that there was nothing done uh, regarding um, the the uh, uh, weeks, right? Uh, first trimester, things like that. I, I was uh, surprised. Could the... Um, could the Republican Party be be moved on this? It doesn't look to be that way. So one should ask, why did the Democrats bring Vice President Harris to Indiana to have this roundtable? Again, a roundtable where you know what they discussed? You know what the big discussion was? Infant mortality. 
that Indiana's got a serious issue with infant mortality. I don't disagree with this. Indiana's got a serious issue with infant mortality, a real issue, and not one that I have a good answer to in terms of, of, of how to solve. What causes this issue? Is it specific areas? Is, is, it, is it Indianapolis uh, and, and the donut counties? Or are we talking about areas to the north or to the south, more rural areas? Um, that's, that's a question. And, and one that I, I have no issue with us discussing and trying to find ways to make better. But if the issue is that too many infants die, how does that now connect to an idea of abortion? Is, is the idea somehow that if you have more children, they're going to die anyway? I mean, I didn't understand the, the, the connection, the connectivity. It seemed to be a very disjointed conversation, whether it be uh, Representative Phil Giaquinto, who heads up the Democrats in the House, or, Representative, or Senator Greg Taylor, who leads the Democrats in the Senate, or, or Senator Jean Bro, uh, who was wearing a Black Lives Matter mask while she's having this conversation. They were all wearing masks, by the way. They were all wearing masks. Look, uh, Biden has COVID. Somehow they still believe that masks stop COVID. So there they were in their masks. It was Kamala Harris outside of Air Force Two in the open air wearing a mask. So, you know, these people don't have a great grasp of science as it is. But they don't even have a grasp of how to engage she didn't come to have a conversation with Hoosiers about a better way forward on abortion. No. Democrats did not set up an opportunity to have a conversation about the better way forward for Hoosiers. No. They had an ideological conversation amongst themselves that wasn't even geared towards talking to Hoosiers. I find that remarkable. I find it remarkable that they missed a moment. But in order to have captured the moment, they would have had to have had a plan, a theory, a concept, an idea, something to sell. And they don't. They have, well, a want for recreational abortion. I mean, this is it. We get back to this terminology that I've been using that I've had people say, hey, man, that makes me uncomfortable. Hearing the term recreational abortion makes me uncomfortable. I can appreciate such a thing. However, here we are. <laughs> here we are. This is exactly what's happening. Democrats got together and didn't even bother trying to sell an idea to Hoosiers. They brought in the vice president for whatever reason. They're going to get a little bit of press. Congratulations, you got the press. You didn't do anything. You didn't move anything. You didn't change a mind. What was the point of it all? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the point of it all was. I do know that the only thing that happened here, the only thing that happened is that the Democratic Party showed itself not to have a plan, not to put forward an idea, but rather engage this one ideology that you have party-wide, not following what Hoosiers want, but following what the party wants, 
and they were dismissive of the people they claim to represent. Swing and a miss, swing and a miss, and swing and a miss. Meanwhile, the session continues. They're going to continue to have uh, this debate. Again, I will say I have no faith in the Republican Party to actually get this done. This session ends August 14th. No matter what, this special session ends August 14th. I'm not so sure they get it done. It's possible, but it's the Republicans of Indiana. You watch their ability to screw something up. More to get to, guys. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. Have I mentioned that Representative Adam Kinzinger is a child? He, he's, he's a child. He, he, he's attacking Republicans. He's a Republican. He's attacking Republicans. He's part of the January 6th uh, committee. He believes Trump is the worst thing ever, which is fine. You can believe Trump is the worst thing ever. Why would you be part of the January 6th committee? Can't you believe Trump is bad and not be a part of, of a sham? You should. You should. He, he didn't. Tony Katz, so good to be with you guys. Tony Katz today. The story goes that he was at a legislative retreat in Philadelphia in 2017, and Trump was there, and um, he got super drunk. His words, got super drunk. Because Trump's president, this is the quote, Trump's president, how do we deal with this? You mean a congressman saw an issue in front of him, something he viewed as an issue. I'm not sure how I relate to this guy. I don't think I like this guy. I don't like the the way he acts. I don't like this. How am I going to deal with this? I know the best way to represent my constituents is to get back crap loaded. Just be blotto. That'll do it. That'll show Trump. Oh, man. How am I not president? I'm the best. When your reaction to, hey, man, things are uncomfortable, I should get really drunk? If it's not a family reunion at Thanksgiving, there's no reason for this. It's not the way the, that adults act. This guy served in the military. This guy has got a got a story, a little bit of adversity, and his plan is to get loaded. That's you, you know the expression self-own? That's a self-own right there. That's that is spectacular. He didn't vote to impeach Trump in 2019 because, and I'm quoting, I knew if I voted for that, I was done. So you don't even stick by your convictions. You're too afraid of losing your power. So no convictions. Wow. I'm glad this guy isn't coming back to Congress. I'm Tony Katz. President, we're getting GDP numbers on Thursday. How worried should Americans be that we could be in a recession? We're not going to be in a recession, uh, in my view. Uh, we uh, the employment rate is still one of the lowest we've had in history. It's in the 3.6 area. Uh, we still find ourselves with people investing. Uh, my my hope is we go from this rapid growth to steady growth, and uh, so see we'll see some coming down. But I don't think we're going to uh, God willing. I don't think we're going to see a recession. Right, we're not going to see a recession. Says a deep throated 
Joe Biden, it's COVID. It gave him the sore throat. He's speaking a little bit lower. We're not going to see a recession. And also, we're not going to see Afghanistan fall to the Taliban in three days. Well, we're not, we're not going to see that. Nope, nope, we won't see that. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Anybody actually want to take bets on Joe Biden and these kinds of, of, of statements? Because historically... They don't work out well for Joe Biden. Tony Katz, guys, so good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. That's what you do uh, right there. Uh, Dr. Matt Will joins us right now, economist at the University of Indianapolis. You can find him on Twitter, Dr. Matt Will, W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter box. And one of the things that we are seeing from the Democratic Party and from the administration is a changing of definitions on the idea of recession, recession is two negative uh, quarters of, of GDP. They put out a statement. They wrote a blog post. How do economists determine whether the economy is in a recession? And they write, what is a recession? While some maintain that two consecutive quarters of falling real GDP constitute a recession, that is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. Instead, both official determinations of recessions and economists' assessments of economic activity are based on a holistic look at the data, including the labor market, consumer and business spending, industrial production, and incomes. Based on these data, it is unlikely that the, GD, that the decline in GDP in the first quarter of this year even if followed by another GDP decline in the second quarter, indicates a recession. That certainly looks like they're trying to rewrite the definition to be able to say we're not having a recession, that's just a Republican talking point. Uh, Dr. Will, let's start with you. What's the definition of a recession, and is the White House trying to rewrite the definition? Tony, l let me do something you're never supposed to do on the radio. I'm going to read from page 532 of a McGraw-Hill economics textbook used by every professor around. A recession is considered a decline in real output that persists for more than two consecutive quarters. That's it, Tony. That's the definition of a recession. All the other things the White House says is correct. There's a lot of things that goes into the state of the economy. But it's a lie to say that that's not the definition of a recession. It is. It's a simple definition. Tony, this is this. And then you made a point, though, but I have to correct you. It's not just the White House and the Democrats. It's the media. I'm looking on the Newsweek fact check this morning, and they concede that a recession is, quote, a decline across two consecutive quarters in GDP. And then they go on for five massive pages to explain why we may not be in a recession, even though technically we are. That, it, it, that concept of being in a recession, you'll hear people often talk about, and they mention it in the White House blog post, the NBER, the National Bureau of Economic Research. This was Corinne Jean-Pierre answering a question for Caitlin Collins uh, over yeah, there. Oh, sorry about that. Over there at, um, at CNN, answering the, the question about, do you believe we're in a recession? Or are you changing the definition? 
again, we don't, we don't, I'm not going to define it from here. I'm just going to leave it to the NBER as, as we have stated of how they define uh, recession. I'm just saying? saying that we're just not going to define it. We use the indicators that the NBER, uh, uh, the Nas National Bureau of Economic Research have, have used. We've mentioned that a few times. Very few people have heard of the NBER. This is not an official group. It's a group of elitist economists who take a look at, at trends and, and come up with conclusions very often far later than the rest of America is dealing with the reality. So is this more talking point from, from the White House or should the NBER be looked to to be able to make that official declaration? Well, first of all, the NBER, can, which is a well-known organization, and it's definitely politically biased, Tony, but it is, it is a known and well-established organization. But they don't have the ability to change a definition in a textbook that we've been using for 100 years. That, that's, they, they can't do that. But let's take what they said is correct, Tony. It's like, kind of like the, you know, the, the, you know, the Supreme Court hearings when we say, well, I'm not a biologist. I can't answer that question. Well, I guess what she said to us just then, Tony, was she's not an economist, so she can't answer that question. I'll answer it then. Forget about the two quarters, Tony. We're in a recession. Because if you go by the White House definition, oh, it's not just two quarters. That's not the definition. Well, what about the PMI index, the flash report that came out last week, Tony? It said from the Fed, the Federal Reserve in Philadelphia said the production in our country has contracted last, last month. Well, that's the recession. Recession is decline. Decline is a contraction of the manufacturing. Look at the, look at the earnings today, Tony. We have Shopify laying off 10% of their employees. We have GM's profits down 40%. We have stock slipping. We have earnings dropping across the board. Okay, so what is their definition of a recession? I'm curious to hear what theirs is. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. Now, let's discuss the kind of economist you are just for a moment. Words have meaning, and there are different types of economists. There's theoretical economists. There's financial economists. You're a financial uh, uh, economist, which I would argue is real-world uh, economist. Uh, uh, a theoretical economist, uh, those are the people dealing with... Uh, abstract theory here, as I often talk about, the people in the faculty lounge who have never once signed the front of a paycheck, who've never been involved in the real life things. The argument that I make, I made it on my video uh, yesterday, which everyone can find over at rumble.com, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. You don't need the NBER or the White House to tell you that things are bad. You're, you know it. You are aware of it because you're the one dealing with it, and, and specifically the idea of inflation and higher prices. It's Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, who said that people's personal balance sheets, household balance sheets, are good. But everything that you and I discuss, sir, says just the opposite. Tony, she's manipulating, like you said, armchair, faculty lounge, theoretical Keynesian economics. Because if the government gives you more money, the economy grew. That's false, Tony, because you and I both know that productivity, by her data, was at a record decline in the first quarter, down 7%. I know for a fact that manufacturing in the country contracted last month. It's a fact. We can see that it's down 3% last month. We can see that J.P. Morgan and General Motors and Shopify, we can see that their profits are down. This is what we financial economists do. Alan Greenspan was a financial economist. 
he was probably one of the best Fed chairmen we've had in a long time. He made a little mistake at the end. Ben Bernanke, he was a guy who worked at Princeton. His entire life was spent studying the causes of the Great Depression from the, from the confines of his academic office. That's his entire career. That's a theoretical economist. They don't know what they're talking about. Yellen is a theoretical economist. She said it was transitory. PPI, producer price index, is through the roof. We in the real world see this, Tony. The White House doesn't because they're flying around the world in private jets, so they really don't understand what's happening at the pump. But let me take some, some umbrage with that for a second. The idea that they don't understand it or the idea they don't want to take blame for it. That's the, the, the conversation. I argue it's they don't want to take blame for it because there is an ideology that moves their policy. So the question is, what policies are leading us here? We keep hearing about how the American Rescue Plan, the $1.9 trillion, look at the good work that it's doing and look at how people are utilizing it. Look how great it is. But that's certainly part of the spending and the cash in the system that has led to inflationary pressure, too much cash, not enough stuff, supply chain compounding that. Are they right to say that the American Rescue Plan, which is putting money into infrastructure and a series of things, has a value as an investment moving forward? No, Tony. In fact, I will give you a specific example from a CEO of a civil engineering company who gets that money in his pocket. He said it was the worst thing that ever happened to his industry because he had to divert resources away from private industry production, private contracts to grow the private economy so that he could get a government contract so that he wouldn't lose future government contracts. He had to stop doing things that grew the economy and take business from the government. Tony, that contracts the economy. The government doesn't grow the economy. Private industry grows. Look at any communist or socialist country in history. And for them to say that this new spent boondoggle was helpful to the economy is a false statement from people who are doing it right now on the ground. It is not. And But Tony, can I take umbrage with something you said? You can. You said that what is their policy objective? They don't have a policy objective. It's about control. It's all about political control. These are people whose fingers are in the wind, depending on what time of year it is with their opinions. They want control, just like you posted the thing with the Australian prime minister. They want control. They don't want you to read outside sources or listen to any facts or read a textbook. They want to rewrite the textbooks, rewrite the definitions. They just want to control your life, Tony. They're against capitalism. They're against free markets. And that was the Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, and and, and a video where she says, we should be your only trusted source on COVID. We have the truth. We will tell you what is up. You shouldn't listen to other people. As a matter of fact, you should avoid uh, those, those other people as often as you can. But when I talk about policy, when I talk about uh, a, a desire and an ideology, right, I, I don't argue the control part, but it's control based on on an ideology. This was Brian Deese. Uh, he is heads up the, the economic uh, team for Joe Biden. And this was his commentary on MSNBC the other day. We are seeing a slowing. Uh, That is not only expected, but necessary as we operate through this transition. So that's where our our focus is in terms of diagnosing the economy. Speaking as an economist, the term, the slowing is not only expected, but necessary for this transition. What transition is he referring to? Tony, he's referring to the transition of control. 
But what he's trying to spin is that the transition of to a different economy, to a sustainable economy, to an anti-fossil fuel economy, to a more government-centralized control economy, to less trade and more nationalistic economy. That's what he's referring to. But he's wrong. To do those things, yes, you have to shrink the economy because socialism shrinks the economy. Socialism destroys the economy. We know that. But the economy can transition on its own. Look at Tesla. Tesla gets government subsidies, but they don't need it. They're a profitable company doing things, that producing a product with a year and a half backlog. That's called the transition, Tony. It has to be done by capitalists, not by the government. Before I let you go, talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of, of Indianapolis, um, we have not seen this administration slow down on the idea of spending, although they have been slowed down on spending. If you are advising people who see that there is this word manipulation, there is this uh, Definition manipulation. There is this purposeful willingness to gaslight uh, uh, Americans and try and throw blame elsewhere when it is their policies that that lead uh, uh, to this, right? Leading down this road where we're at. You have said to me before, and we talked about this maybe going on a year ago now, sir. Uh, now's the time to buy things. Because your money will be worth less as you go forward. Buy things, the thing still has a value. Is that still the mantra? Or is the mantra now, save all the cash you can and hunker down because it's going to be a rough couple of years? No, I, I don't change my opinion, Tony, because if you save cash, it loses money. You just get less money because of inflation. So bury in your backyard a dollar, you pick it up a year from now, it's only worth 90 cents. So, no, assets are good to have. That's why there's such a high demand for certain assets. And the price has been going up in part because we have demand. Unfortunately, we don't have enough demand. I mean, we don't have enough stuff, I should say. So, no, I would still have the stuff. I think long term, those are still good investments. Anything asset that's going to go up in value is worth it. I mean, if you could buy a used car, Tony, if you could get a car instead of waiting a year, if you could get a car and buy it. You might get a better um, price for it in three months on the used car market. Who knows? Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will, Dr. Matt Will on the Twitter box. You can follow him there. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. We've got more to get to, guys. I'm Tony Katz. House they are. Protesters voicing their point of view on abortion. The pro-life, the pro-choice, or the pro-abortionist, or whatever people are calling themselves uh, these days, that is what is being discussed, and certainly my hope is, you know, no issue with the protesting, none whatsoever. Let your voice be heard. Peaceful. As for the amount of good it's going to do, um, I can't see it. As I was discussing earlier, I just cannot visualize it. There is this quote from a business. You know, there was this letter that was signed by by business owners, and and uh, this is going to hurt uh, us in the ability to attract top talent. I don't believe that at all, and I don't know where they have the data on that. What is this idea that top talent are all uh, in the pro-abortion camp or, or the pro-choice camp? Wh wh where does that data come from? I would love to see it so I can read it and understand it. 
But the owner of a, of a local shop, it's written here by Wish TV, uh, the owner of Silver in the City, um, it, it says, women are a really big and important part of our economy. Having the ability to access education and employment to access and access to abortion helps make sure that can happen. I'm sorry, I don't know what that means. Why can't women have access, uh, the ability to access education and employment if they're pregnant? I don't. I don't know how abortion helps that unless you're part of the continual conversation that we need to have abortions because it gets people back to work. I know that's ugly as sin, except it's being said by the left a lot. And how it's written here, this isn't her quote, how it's written here by Wish TV, that uh, the owner of Silver in the City gift shops in Carmel and Indianapolis is among several hundred Hoosier business owners who signed a letter opposing any kind of abortion bans. When I use the term recreational abortion, guys, I don't just say things to say them. I say them because the data sends me in a direction. And sometimes I'm good with a turn of phrase that really hits what someone's trying to say. They oppose any kind of abortion ban. I mean, we don't have to question it anymore. We'll see how the next days go in the session. Tomorrow, everyone, I'm Tony Katz. Take care.